Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome back to season five. My name is Courtney and as always, Matt is here. Hello, welcome back to season five. Yes. Now we have a very exciting episode for you today. We do. We're pumped. We are pumped. It's all based around getting comfortable with uncomfortable. Yes. A necessary discussion about the comfort zone Mm. and some of the traps you can fall into, but also some of the things that can really work out well if and when you're prepared to take those small steps beyond. Yeah. Hard though it may be. Yes. Hard though it is, Mm. as a matter of fact. So I would say, Courtney, the first place we want to start is by saying that wanting to stay in your comfort zone with this is normal. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how we're wired. Yeah, it's our default, I think. I would Without knowing this particular science behind it, I'm sure that some very smart person somewhere in the world has done a study on this, but I would think just from my experience and, and the experience of coaching people all these years, it's definitely our default setting to sit in our comfort zone. Well, you said very smart person. That means you're not talking about us. No. So just ask for their own personal and professional experience. I would. Oh, 100%. Agree uh, that it is a default setting because I've lived it myself. Mm. You've lived it. We've worked with more than enough people over our careers to see that it's, it's a normal part of, of who we are because who wants, who wants to be in a state of discomfort? Yeah, people don't – it's not our natural instinct – most most of us, it's not our natural instinct to say, yes, let's put ourselves into uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable feelings all the time. Well, I think I think most people will be born risk averse in some way. I know I was. <laughs> I would still consider myself risk averse. Yeah, and, and that's okay. But there there can be the it can get to the point where you are so risk averse and so terrified of taking any step out of your comfort zone, it bites you in the bum. Yes. So we do want to start by saying that it is a normal thing and it is more than likely your default setting the same way it has been for us. Mm. But that's not to say it's necessarily a good thing, mm. especially when the the subject turns to weight loss, You know, changing how you look, how you function, how you feel. But more than that, changing the way you operate between the ears Mm. is a real hard part when it comes to to leaving your comfort zone. And I suppose it's worth mentioning here, Courtney, that it's been hard for us too. Yeah. Real fucking hard, as a matter of fact. Yes. But it's also without, without it, we wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't be together. No. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't do what we do. So what Courtney and I want to do is just give you some personal examples from us with where we've been through our lives and just examples that we've we've worked through together that really stuck out to us as like, hey, these were sort of pivotal moments for us where if during these times and, and these decisions that we made, if these decisions weren't made, we probably wouldn't be here. Mm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And what's going to be, I think, a really good thing to look at here, which we'll get into as we go into it, though, Courtney, is the time frame mm. we're going to be covering here. This isn't like, oh, in 12 weeks, I did this and this and this and this and this and changed my life. Like, forget that shit. Mm. That's just not how this works, yeah? No, unfortunately not. 
So we'll we'll start with you, wifey, mm-hmm. talking about leaving our comfort zone. Can you share some examples from where you've come from of, of times where you've left your comfort zone, as hard as it may be, and what it's done for you? Yeah, well, I think I started with joining the gym. What was hard about that for you? What was what? Was, where was the discomfort there? Yeah, so it probably came from two different places because it was never my first time. It wasn't the first time I've ever joined the gym. I joined the gym when I was in year 11 or 12 at high school, uh, the first time. So it wasn't my first time joining a gym. So it necessarily was because of that I probably had this fear of, um, I guess, signing up to the gym and then not going. Mm -hmm. So... That was a fear, like of of me sort of putting, you know, effort into doing it and then just quitting. And I guess the other one that was a big one for me when going to the gym was I was always afraid of going in there and looking silly. Silly in what way? So just, I think I've spoken about it before. I would, uh, I was always worried about going onto the machines and not knowing how to do exercises or. You know, I always played it really safe when I went into the gym. So I'd go into the gym and I'd mostly go on the treadmill and I'd usually just walk. But it's because of what you knew. Yeah. So the discomfort there was feeling or looking silly because you didn't know what you were doing. Yes. That is very common Mm. around the discomfort that people have with going to a gym. Um, A lot of that I've noticed with people is that, where it's just like, I don't know what to do. So I may as well not go. Mm. Or in your case, I, I will go, but I'll I'll be in this corner here doing my thing because it's the only thing I know how to do. Yes. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm. That's very common. Uh, so how how did you move past that? Um, well well I mostly didn't when I first joined the gym. So that was my first the first one that I had written down, and I was thinking of examples of this, was joining the gym. Yeah. Then the second one was asking for help. So I think that that sort of helped with the first one. Mm-hmm. So finally I got up the courage to ask. And I had tried to ask at reception at the, the particular gym I was going to a couple of times. Can you can you just clarify there, what do you mean tried to ask? Well, I had sort of worked myself up that I was going to ask somebody at the reception for a recommendation for a trainer. Um, and I think I went to ask a couple – I remember going to ask that I was going to do it a couple of times and then I just never did. Taught myself out of it. Okay, so what you mean by try to ask for help is you were going to, yeah. but you didn't. Didn't. So finally that kind of, did. That kind of aligns with the word try, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> kind of, wanna. Gonna. Didn't. Don't. <laughs> um, so. Where was the discomfort there though? Why, how, do you, how do you talk yourself out of that? Where was the fear there? I think off, off memory, I think it was probably just a build up of anxiety in my head of, again, looking silly. Um, silly in what way though when you, when you want to you know, ask for help? Um, I think for me it would have been some sort of storyline I had built up in my mind. The, the way that my anxiety always worked was mm-hmm. that I would build up a scenario in my head that was completely fictional. Like a worst-case scenario? Yeah. This is what will go wrong here? Like someone will laugh at you, they will laugh at you, they'll judge you. Like in my mind, it would almost be like a storyline that I had made up in my mind that was going to be the outcome. You played the outcome out? Yeah. Okay. And it was always negative. So I think the way that... You know, I don't know if this is how anxiety works for other people, but the way mine always worked mm-hmm. was that I would build up these scenarios in my mind. It was always negative. It was always against me. Then I would be the one that was embarrassed or hurt in the end. Um, and it, it it was so vivid in my mind. It was like it would already have ha- it, it already had happened. Mm-hmm. So that is how much I would play up this story basically because it was a story because it hadn't happened so I don't know the exact anxiety that I had built up based around asking for help Mm -hmm. but it definitely would have been around 
me looking silly, somebody laughing at me. Judging. Judging me. Well, two, two follow-up questions to that. One, how did you get past that to actually doing it? And two, did it work out the way you had in your head? Yeah, so I think it might have been about my third go of sort of working myself up. Of trying. To asking. And I had the the previous two times, I think, of memory, I didn't actually ask because it was somebody else at reception. So I think this day it just happened to work out that there was nobody else there. No excuses, what you're saying? So there was just a receptionist. Mm. So I just went up and just asked. And then I think while I was standing there speaking to her, there was another one of the sales guys, I think, was yeah. came into the office yeah. area and he had heard, I think, our conversation and he'd said, oh, I've got the perfect trainer. Oh, actually, you know what? No, he asked me a question that sort of took me back because I didn't know why he was asking. What was the question? He sort of said, turned to me abruptly and said, what is it that you want? From the trainer. And I was like. Ooh, a goal setting question. What? <laughs> it sort of took me back and I didn't really know what he was asking. Yeah. He sort of asked it in a way. I can't remember the exact phrase, but I remember being confused by the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sort of, you know, didn't know whether he was talking about exact goals or. So I tried to start answering it and he sort of turned to me and said, oh, but. Wait, like generally speaking, weight loss is your goal. And I said, yes. And he said, oh, I've got the perfect trainer for you. I know a guy. Yep. So that was how that came about. How I, that, sorry, um, before we continue, how did all that sit with you given what you were expecting originally? I think it was fine. Then when he asked me that question and I didn't know how to take it, mm-hmm. I I got a bit like, oh, shit, you know? In what, what, what do you it, mean? I think it got a little bit confronting to me because I didn't know where he was going with his question. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very – it wasn't obviously worded well because I didn't understand what he was asking me. Mm. Um, but then when he sort of stopped me halfway through my answer and said, no, 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 like generally speaking, is this what you were after? And I said, oh, and then it sort of like was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is what I'm after. Mm-hmm. Um and then it was fine, and then I was happy that I'd done it. It was just sort of like a weight off my shoulders, which is is always what it felt like to me when I'd built something up to the point of anxiety to then just be able to let it go. It's like a, yeah, it, it's a weird feeling. It's, it's, it's honestly, you know, when people say like, oh, that's a weight off my shoulders. It literally felt like, it feels like that for me. When I built something up to anxiety level, and then I do it. It li- like it, honestly, I could feel ten kilos lighter. Was there any sort of internal discussion on the way out or on the way home? Like, oh, that that worked out well, or not as bad as I thought it would be? Yeah, and I think because the outcome as well was easier for me because I think he had said, "Is it okay if I pass the details on to him? Mm. Your details on to him?" Mm. Which again then took it out of my hands by having to do something else. So. That was it. Was it worked out perfectly? Oh, lowered the lowered the barrier of you having to reach out yourself. Yeah. So then it was just like yeah. And then I gave him my phone number, and then I left, and then it was good. Like it was a good feeling that I had finally done it because I built it up to be such a point. Mm. I was happy that it wasn't a problem. Like so, the storyline I'd built up in my head wasn't a big deal, and there was really nothing else I had to do right in that moment. Here's a question: Had had that not happened, if it was, he's he's the trainer's details. Get in touch. Would you have done it yourself? It's a good question. I think off memory, I probably would have. Mm-hmm. Although it would have started that whole another anxiety cycle, so it would have been a little while mm-hmm. for me to build that up to okay. actually doing it. Yeah. Um. Hard to say for sure, but I definitely, in the frame of mind that I was in at the time, I definitely think I would have. Just about how long it would have taken me to do it. Okay. Not sure. Okay. But that was that was definitely a big stepping outside my comfort zone, was asking for help. Um, Which, by the way, usually is. Yes. 
The the next one I wrote down was then telling my friends and family. Telling them what? So it's sort of this is all sort of worked out in order of like my journey. Um, wow. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Crazy. It's like you wrote it this it's way. It's almost chronological. Um, that one was a big one for me. So when, when I first family. started working um, with you, Matt, my trainer, um, and changing the way I was training, changing the way that I was eating, mm. for me, I think telling my family and then my close friends or definitely my close work colleagues because they were obviously – the two people I think you spend the most time with generally on a mm. week-to-week basis, especially at the time because I was living at home. Oh, you so. get the phrase work husband, work wife. So it was yeah. definitely, you know, th- those two sets of families that I that I was sort of told. And I think for me at the time it was stepping outside my comfort zone because, again, I had that fear of judgment. From your family and friends? Yeah. Yeah. Because it definitely wasn't the first time I'd tried to lose weight. Is, so Is the fear there, is it around the response of, oh, here we go again, mm. or is it, is it more or also around stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, I'm not happy with things? Like where's the discomfort there in particular? No, I think for me I never really had the um, the fear around people knowing I was unhappy with the way that I looked. Okay, yep. It was more so the fear of judgment that they would judge what I was doing was silly or um, – well, here the, we go as, again. As in, oh, here we go again. Yeah, okay. Or just why are you doing that, you know? Oh, the method. The methodology, questioning that. Oh, you're exercising and eating good food. Why the fuck are you doing that? Yeah. Or, yeah, or the here, here we go again or we'll see how long this lasts sort of thing. Oh, the scepticism. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably what I just didn't need, especially when you first start, you know, you, you, you're really feeling really good about yourself, I think, for taking that step to – to get over the hurdle of asking for help. It's definitely, a, as we talk about, small win. Yeah. Uh, maybe a medium win, actually. Um, and it's a confidence builder. Yeah. So mm. I think for me, I was really lucky. I've spoken about this before. I was really lucky that my family and my friends were all supportive. So well, even though I was afraid of that happening, it never came about. Um, I would get certain comments when we went out like, oh, you allowed to eat that. But it was never from a nasty way. It was always from a – they were just surprised mm-hmm. that I was able to go out and have a hamburger, you know, Well, it's just expectations there, isn't it? More so. And they just didn't obviously quite understand what program I was doing. Um, can I just go back to something you said? You mentioned you were lucky mm. with your friends and your family. Are you sure you were lucky? Because isn't there a thing about choosing a good support network? True. Yes. I yes. I personally would just myself contest that phrase mm. just because, well, hey, you make the decision to who you surround yourself with. Mm. That's just me. No, you were a good point. So it was less of I was lucky and more of... You had good people around you. I had really good people around me. Now, doesn't that make a difference? It does. Because it took, even though I was afraid that that might be a result of me telling them what I was doing, it was pretty quickly became apparent that I didn't need to be worried about that. Was that another um, bit of weight off the shoulders? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? It's good that they knew what I was doing. They were supportive to the point of they didn't know, need to know the ins and outs of everything I was doing, but they mm. were supportive to the point of mum, because um, I was living at home at the time, mm. you know, she kept a shelf in the fridge aside for me and my food. She'd give me, you know, help me out with cooking tips where I needed them because I was starting to cook and prepare my own food beforehand. I had never done that. Mm. Um, And just supportive to the fact, you know, of not – more so not judging me for for what I was doing. She sort of just let me do my own thing and that was it. And I think that that my work family were the same. They didn't judge me for what I was doing and they – they um, would support me, even my my closest friend at work, she would remind me, oh, isn't it time for you to eat now? Mm. <laughs> and um, and we'd go out and have morning tea together sort of thing. So it was, yeah, it was a big flip around to what I had built up in my mind. But again, just because it was a good outcome, 
didn't mean that it wasn't uncomfortable for me to do. So I think that that was why I put that one in there because, yes, it was a really good outcome and it was a really comfortable outcome, but the action of doing it was really uncomfortable because I didn't know that that was going to be the outcome. Well, it's also because you you can't predict it. No. You can't, you can't see it. You can surround yourself, as you say, with the right people, mm. great support network, but the act of really telling people what you're doing is still uncomfortable, was well, still uncomfortable for me. Also, to be fair, though, even though I do say, you know, you had a good support network around you, you don't find out how good they are until moments like that. Correct. So yeah. that one was a big one for me that was definitely outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, the photo shoot that I did years ago yeah. was another one I'd put down. That one was massively, massively outside my comfort zone. Um, for the for the benefit um, of our wonderful friend listening, because I know what the answer is going to be, but can you explain why that was so uncomfortable for you? Because I did a photo shoot in a bikini. Mm. Um, I wouldn't even wear a bikini to the local pool, let alone do a photo shoot in a now, bikini. We should just um, clarify we're talking two piece here. Yes. Mm. Yep. So. Did a photo shoot and worked towards that. So that was and, – and put it out there ahead of time that that was what I was going to do. Um, put it out there how? On Well, we put it out there with our clients at our gym and yep. on social media that this yep. is what I was going to do. So so it wasn't like I could just fly under the radar, do it, and then put it out. It was sort of like a telling everyone ahead of time that this is what I was working towards. Calling your own shot, yeah. So then I, when I did it, I had to put the photos out there, good or bad, because I'd told everyone I was going to. Mm. Um, so that was like so far beyond outside my comfort zone for many reasons, not only because I was in a two-piece bikini, um, putting myself out there in public like that, definitely not, definitely not something that comes comfortably to me. Well... That doesn't come comfortably, I don't think, to anyone. No. Um, So that one was a massive one. And Mm. then the last one I put on my list, Matt, was training clients in our gym. Okay. So that one is sort of like getting to the point now where so we've just gone beyond my personal weight loss journey into work. Mm. Um, And that sort of was one of those ones where I just didn't feel like – I think when we talk about, and I think you mentioned it earlier, when we talk about a comfort zone and where we feel uncomfortable, it's not just necessarily within the weight loss journey that mm-hmm. we have. For, for me, it did. It, it's crossed over to all different aspects of my life, one in particular being um, parts of my work. And at the time when I started working with Matt in the gym, I didn't feel like that I should be training people. I didn't feel like I should be giving advice. I didn't I didn't feel like I knew enough to give people advice. Mm-hmm. So that's the one where again that uncomfortable out of my comfort zone experience of stepping up and being almost stepping up and being a leader, which didn't wasn't a comfortable place for me to be at the time either. That's a good way to put it. So that that way, that was also completely um, outside my comfort zone to step up and be that. that you were afraid leader. of like what getting things wrong, looking silly, people not accepting you yeah. as, as a leader. All the above, I think. I think for me, it was always never had aspirations of being a leader. So, do you think any um, of our old friends and clients from our gym listening to this? Mm would be surprised to discover that when you first started working there and training and coaching them, you felt like, what, a fraud, a pretender? Like, what word would you use? Yeah, all of the above, probably. I don't know whether they would be surprised or not, but... You come across pretty confident. Yeah. I think years of, um, like, hiding discomfort give me gave me the ability to hide it well. Um but you didn't hide it from everyone though no i i didn't but i also sometimes didn't try to hide it i would tell people i didn't feel comfortable mm so yes you would it wasn't like i was completely pretending i was honest with a lot of 
a lot of and a lot of the clients, you know, I had this conversation with them. So um, really, like, okay, can you elaborate on that? I probably used it in examples when I would talk to to clients in our gym about comfort zone and things like that because mm. I definitely knew that it was an area for me. I'd, I'd identified it pretty early on that that was something I was feeling very uncomfortable with. Yeah. So it was a good then um, example for me to be able to talk to our clients in the gym about it and to say, well, you're feeling uncomfortable about this. I feel uncomfortable about this. Yeah. Um, so it was good to be able to relate to people in that way. But I think that that example is a really good one where it's crossed over. So it really had nothing to do with the way that I looked or, you know, what shape I was in. It was mm. more to do with the knowledge I felt like I had. the Or didn't have. Or didn't have the leadership ability that I that I felt like I didn't have. Um, the voice, I guess, that, that I felt like I didn't have. So these are all like... You didn't feel like an authority figure? No. And so I think that that one I put on the list at the end there because I, th- I thought that it was important to show that this sort of mentality, mindset, can it can cross over so it's not just about um, the way that I look or the way that I'm changing my body shape. It's also it crosses for me over into all other different things. Well, that's really kind of how it works when when you're working on yourself. You get benefits and challenges that are beyond and outside what you think may be, you know, just weight loss. Yeah. For example. So with that, how did you get past that discomfort? I think that one, I don't think... For me personally, I've, I've necessarily ever got completely over because every job that I've ever had, I still have that slight part of that. Naturally, for me, I wouldn't call myself a natural learner. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it, th- there comes a certain... Um, I find it awkward learning new skills. I find it awkward... You know, I, I don't, I don't, not someone, whereas I compare myself to you, Matt, in a way where it's like, well, you see new things as a challenge. So there's that different mindset, whereas I don't see new things necessarily as a challenge. Um, what do you see them as? I see them as learning new things. I see as a mixture of an inconvenience <laughs> and an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> did not see the word inconvenience coming <laughs> i don't particularly i wouldn't call myself a patient person and i don't enjoy learning new things i enjoy the results of learning new things mm. so th- th- in that respect i would i still do them because i know that the outcome is going to be worthwhile yeah but the actual physical, I, I wouldn't see it as, as a personal challenge to learn this new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a means to an end, but I don't enjoy the process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, by the way, is fine. I think it to, for me, it's just a character trait, I think, yep. that I've developed over the years. Yep. So for me, it's just a, it, it's, it's a, a means to an end. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to make the best of it. So I think for me, when it comes to leadership and and that and that sort of mentality, I think for me, it's a work in progress because I don't think I'm ever going to fully feel like I'm good enough at it. Do you think you've improved at that though? I definitely think I've improved at it, but yeah. to be honest with you, I don't think I ever want to feel good enough at it because I feel like that particular. I don't know if you call it a skill. I think when you're talking trait, trait leadership, um, feeling like you know you're a voice. Why don't you want to feel comfortable with it? Because I feel like that. I've, I've the more improvement I've done in that that area, mm. the more I've realised that I think you know you have to keep learning and evolving, learning more about yourself, learning more about the people that you're leading, or that you know. I th- I think I I would I wouldn't like to feel like I am. I I'm done with that. I a thousand percent 
agree with you. Not just 100%, 1,000% with that. And here's why. Because the moment you feel comfortable with that, you're about two steps away from getting complacent. Yeah. And then getting stagnant. And then you cease to progress, mm. which doesn't vibe I think the person it, I am anymore. Another character trait for myself that I've realised over time mm-hmm. is that I don't like making mistakes. Well, I mean, who does? I know, but do you know what I mean? Like, I'm somebody who holds on to them in a way. Ah. I should rephrase. Ah. So I find it difficult when I make mistakes to let go. Yes, you do. Drives me fucking crazy. So so that has also, I think, over the years, it's led me to holding on to my comfort zone really tightly. So when it comes to things... Yeah, too tight. So I've always struggled with getting comfortable with uncomfortable mm. because that fear of making mistakes and not being able and I know I if I make a mistake I can't I struggle to let it go makes me then even more risk averse I think and more likely to want to stay within my my bubble we'll call it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that you know that is I think once you um, you start to learn about yourself more and more through through these these events that have happened, I think you're able to to know where your where your triggers are. And for me, that's a trigger. But in saying that, I think even more so, it it makes me want to really push through and push for that extra one percent to push through that um, that uncomfortable feeling. So, does that make sense? Yes. Very, very well said. I think I'm just going to keep rambling, so I think that you should start on the examples that you wrote down about where you've found times that you've had to push outside your comfort zone. Well, I've written down four. Um, I could have written down 4,000. Yeah. Because I just want to make one thing clear. This entire journey has been about discomfort. Mm. And getting uncomfortable. And if you're the type of person listening where you think, oh, it must come easy to Matt and Courtney, like, no. You couldn't be more wrong. Mm. So first example um, that I've written down speaks to uh, a difficulty that a lot of us have with being vulnerable. That's a human trait. And for many, especially a male trait as well, and for me, it was just admitting I was unhappy mm. with myself because that's vulnerability, isn't it? And that's hard for a lot of people is to say, I'm not personally happy with me, aspects of me, whatever it might be. And that's fucking hard because that then involves owning up and saying, well, what I've done now for however many years has not worked for me, has not served me. Mm. My mindset, my beliefs have not helped me. In fact, they've contributed to where I am. Mm. And it then it then involves taking what you, Courtney, would, would call, I think, extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. Is it that the term? Mm. Where it's like, hey, From you the know, book. Hey? From the book. Um, where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm not happy because of what I've done. It's a great book, by the way. Shout out to uh, <laughs> to that book. Like, look up the book if you are. Uh, is that the book title, is it? Extreme Ownership, yeah. Is it? Okay. I, I honestly haven't read it. It's a great book. Maybe I should. Um, I listened to the audio version. Mm-hmm. It's by um, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Yep. 2X. Oh, the military guys. The military guys. Um, yeah, yeah. Navy SEALs, I think yeah. they were. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, the, the term there, extreme ownership, is part of this, where it's like saying, hey, I'm not happy. Mm. I'm not comfortable. I've done this to myself. And that's fucking hard. That's real hard. There's, there's a discomfort there because, for me, originally, it's like, well, I'm showing weakness. Even though, in hindsight... I probably showed that weakness in a thousand other ways. Mm. It's just when you give voice to it and you own up to it, holy shit, 
that is fucking confronting. Mm. Um, so I suppose the, the question after that is, well, how do you get past that? Um, I don't think you do. I just think you get better at it. Mm. And you understand, you only, get this, you only get this through experience with perspective um, that, you know what, this is hard to own up to things like this, but it's ultimately good. Because then once you've given voice to something like that, you can then empower yourself to move past it. Yep. And it's something I see a lot of people struggle with is taking that extreme ownership that we've mentioned and saying, no, nope, this is on me. Because mm. that shit can fucking sting. Yes. But, you know, you can get better from it. Um, the next one I wrote, um, I originally wrote down the same as Courtney, which was joining a gym. Mm. But... Thinking about it more, joining the gym itself wasn't the problem. The problem for me was the discomfort of being seen in public. Mm. So as I was explaining to Courtney before we uh, hit the record button, I used to, if I was going to go to the gym, it would be during quiet times when I know the gym would be empty or close to empty so no one could see me. And then if I was doing any... um, outdoor sessions like you know walking running or whatever i would deliberately do them at night Mm. because who can see me at night and that was part of the discomfort there of i don't want people to see me thus judge me thus make fun of me you know Mm. um and what helped me get over that over time was realizing no one gave a fuck Mm. no one cares and that's something I um, hear a lot in my line of work is, you know, the, the fear and discomfort that comes with going to a gym because oh, everyone in there knows what they're doing. No, they don't. And they're all going to look at me and judge me. They won't. But you have to go through it yourself to see it. And I think you have to build up experience with consistency. So, you know, you, you start to consistently, for example, go to the gym to then realise, oh, no one here gives a rat's ass about me mm. so I can just do my my own thing um, what also helped me there was getting to the realisation that if you see someone exercising be it during the day during the evening at the gym out of the gym anywhere they probably have a similar goal to yourself in some way in terms of self-improvement mm. and that helped to humanise all the people I thought were judging me because like I will, they want to improve themselves too. So we're kind of all in the same boat. Mm. And it helped me almost develop a, a sort of a, an unspoken bond with every single person that exercises. Because like, you know what, we've got this in common. Yeah, We all want to get better. Um, but initially that was terrifying because it's like, well, I want people to see me doing this. Because also it also fed in to then saying, well, if I'm doing this for myself, I'm not happy. And it's, it's then that vulnerability as well um the one i put after that was a pretty big one which was the discomfort of taking the chance to become a pt and thinking i will i might have something here to offer value to offer people to help other people the way you know improve their lives the way mine's improved as well but there is a mountain of discomfort around that because well, the first thing you think is, oh, well, who want to listen to me? Mm. What the fuck do I know? Who take me seriously? You know? And um, the time I, at the time I came in to the industry was known as a golden age um, for the PT market because at the time, at least here in Australia, the government was subsidising all the certification courses for people under a certain age, which wasn't me, Um I was above that age, unfortunately. But what that meant was a flood of PTs hitting the same market, uh, hitting the market at the same time that I did. And of course, my brain went to, oh, well, how am I going to stand out? Mm. What can I do here? And you know, the, the next sort of conclusion your brain jumps to is, well, what if I fail? Mm. What do I do then? You know, and then as Courtney touched on before, you then get the discomfort that comes with that of leading people. Yeah. 
and giving direction to people, confidently giving direction to people because I'll give you listening a bit of insight. You may look at any given PT at your local gym and think they've got their shit figured out. No, they fucking don't. We're the same as you. We have the same doubts, the same reservations, the same fear of getting out of our comfort zone. Uh, A lot of PTs, and I'm one of them, become a PT just as much to help themselves as to help others. Mm. Because it was one of the things that went through my head at the time of how I was talking myself into doing it was, well, I've got to lead by example. Mm. I've got to then represent and live the lifestyle if I choose to do this because that's not really leadership otherwise. Mm. is it and i've commented on it before about you know overweight people giving advice on weight loss like driving up the fucking wall and that was one thing i was going through my head like well i'm terrified of failing but on the flip side of this goes out this works out well it'll help me personally which by the way i was 100 correct Mm. on that but i was fucking shit scared of rejection like oh you know sorry matt you're not good enough to do this you don't know enough. You haven't achieved enough. That's fucking scary. Mm. Um, the final thing I've got written down here is this thing we're doing right now. Starting our podcast. Because I had... If, if being a PT... The thought of being a PT was discomforting to me the thought of them putting our voices out there globally was like that times 85,000. Because like, holy shit, we're going to put ourselves out everywhere. Mm. Because obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but with, with podcasting, like anyone with a mobile phone can listen to you. And who has a mobile phone? Um, everyone <laughs> has one. You know? And then it's like, well, shit, are, are we good enough to do this? Like, do we have value to then give on a on a global scale? Mm. Is anyone going to want to listen to us? Or are we going to be just another fucking podcast that just comes out, goes nowhere, and then stops? Mm. You know? Are people going to think that we sound like dickheads? <laughs> yes, we do, and we're fine with that. Um, but are they... And this is something that you and I used to discuss, Courtney. Who's going to want to, who's going to, want to listen to this? Who's going to want to listen to us? Who's going to take us seriously? Mm. And we're talking like four years ago when we started this podcast, we are having these discussions and I was having these internal battles where I've never admitted how close I came to pulling the pin on the idea of doing it. Mm. Because I almost talked myself, I haven't told you this either, Courtney, I was fucking right there. <laughs> talking myself into like, I wouldn't, this, this isn't going to work. So why even bother? I wonder if you would have pulled the pin on it if I had been less interested in doing it. I think what helped me a lot um, to get me over the line was how you were like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Which, and I was discussing this with Courtney before we were recording. Courtney's a natural speaker, as you probably figured out by now. Um, Speaking comes easy to Courtney. She's fucking good at it. Um, where she struggles is with being a writer. Anything academic-wise, yes. You can, you can speak academically. Like, you, you're, you're, a, you're a brilliant speaker and you've done it, like, you know, on our podcast, in, in public speaking things, etc. like, brilliant. Um, where you're, you struggle with writing, where with me, I was a natural writer. Mm. I could write all day. Um, but you being really into the idea of doing the podcast helped but even then still when we're putting this all together my brain's like no one's gonna want to hear you you just pts i think that that is a great example of when when it comes to this getting comfortable with uncomfortable and how it we were talking earlier about support network and having a great support network Mm. can make a really big difference but i think that this is a great example of how even though Yes, that is important. You still, you still have to be the one to push through that uncomfort, because well, no one can do it for you. 
I was your support network when it came to the podcast because mm. I was like, yes, let's do it. I'm in. Do it together. Yep. Whereas that was supportive and you had that support network, but it still came down to you making that decision to push through the uncomfort, the uncomfort that you were feeling mm. and make the decision to do it. So I think that that's where this conversation is so important because we talk all the time about support network and how important it is. But your support network can't do it for you. So they can be the best and most supportive support network in the world. They're just cheerleaders ultimately, aren't they? But you still have to be the one to push through that extra 1% to really take that step forward. Well, that's why we talk about the, the phrase ownership. Mm. Ultimately, it will fall on you. Mm. It always does. Um, and there does have to be that willingness. And another, like once again, like every other example that, that you and I have both given here, gee, fuck, that worked that well. Mm-hmm. Because g- getting over that discomfort and that, Imposter syndrome is just what it is. Feeling like frauds, this is not who we are. Getting past that and getting, getting, for example, this podcast off the ground, like it's another decision that's been made that's changed our lives. Mm. Has allowed us to, to meet and connect with and engage with and help people that we could literally not have done any of that with yeah. previously. Yep. And I think one thing that you touched on earlier, Matt, was the time frame with this. Well, let's okay, I'm glad you said that because you the examples that you gave, Courtney, as I touched on earlier, not over a U Butte twelve week challenge, was it? How long was that over? Nine years. Oh, nine years. Not like twenty eight days? No. And oh, yours? Seventeen years. And I think that this, maybe this can be our first tip really to take away from this podcast is this is not something that's going to happen really quickly. Well, you look at here, nine years for you, 17 years for me, and I'll speak for myself here, I can now say I wouldn't change a fucking thing. No. Because it's got me to where I am and I now know there's more coming if I, if I keep, if I'm continually willing to push a little bit more. But before we get too much into the tips, I've written down a little extra note here. Something that came to me when we were speaking through this, Courtney, with um, these examples that we've given about you know leaving our comfort zone, there's a constant theme mm. with those. They're all revolving around us fearing the worst. Yeah. And putting into our head the worst possible outcome that we can think of, and that's the reason why we can't do it. So you look at yourself, like with, with Courtney's example, joining a gym or asking for help and telling family and friends what she's doing because she's fearing being judged, mm. being laughed at, looking silly. Again, fearing the worst outcome. Um, same with um, you know training clients in a gym and being a leader. Again, fearing the worst. No one's going to take me seriously. I don't take myself seriously. Mm. You know? Same with me. Um, Exercising in public, I don't want people to see me and judge me because mm. it looks like weakness. Starting a podcast. Starting a podcast because you, this is the thing with discomfort, and this is my point here. So much of the, the reluctance to leave the comfort zone comes because you put in your head, this is what's going to happen and it's the fucking worst outcome. Yes. Yet if you actually are brave enough to do it, usually you're going to be completely wrong again, use this podcast as an example, what I thought would be no one wants to hear these two fools speak has been life-changing for us. Yeah. Changed how we live, changed how we work. Like like I said before, introduced us to people we would never be able to meet. And I should just mention, like every single person that we work with, they give us as much as we give them. Yeah. In terms absolutely. of value and knowledge and learning and perspective. Again, wouldn't be possible if we, especially in my personal case, bought into the bullshit I was telling myself about this is this this is the way it will go and it's the worst possible outcome. Yeah. And and as as you pointed out, I was exactly the same and I still I still do that. So I think the 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 really important thing to also remember is that this for some people 
is going to be a constant ongoing for most people. Well, can I just say it is constantly ongoing. It is for me the way it is for you. Or like the the sort of example I can give personally is that you just accept it for what it is. Mm. And if it's a tip I've got written down here that I added here separately, Courtney, if the juice is worth the squeeze, just do it anyway. Yeah. If, If... this is the thing with this. You weigh up what's the best that could happen and versus what's the worst that could happen. And I now look at things as what's the best that could happen as my reasoning for doing things. Yeah. And and, and I think for me, I'm not naturally an optimistic person. Mm-hmm. Um, I would describe myself as a pessimistic personality type. You are definitely glass half empty. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. And I've become glass half full. Yeah, you are. So we do compliment each other in those ways it you, helps you often try to see the best case scenario and i'll always discuss the worst case scenario so at which point we can kind of meet in the middle so it does work out well for for our for our partnership matt D- despite but, being frustrating at times oh very frustrating but i think that if you don't have that partner in life to have that um yin and yang with i think you can still develop that yourself and i think that it comes down to perspective and you're always going to automatically or most of the time i shouldn't say always most of the time you will talk yourself out of certain things especially when they mean a lot to you like these things we're talking about you're going to think of them as worst case scenario you're going to think of what what's the worst case scenario that can happen but we've we've we spoke about developing the skill of being able to have perspective and push through that discomfort to the other side. But do you know what makes that easier? I, I will slightly disagree um, with with sort of getting through that yourself. Like that's what a support network's for. Well, true. And that's what's yes. surrounding yourself with good people is in your life. Yeah, but you've got to make the decision. That, that in itself can be an outside the comfort decision to develop that support network yeah, or get true. rid of people from that to, that well, that circle that aren't okay. serving you. Okay, yes, removing the toxic elements. So yep. that yep. by itself could be a, a, um, a decision you have to do by yourself. I think that is a decision you have to come to by yourself. But gee whiz, doesn't that pay off? Well, once you've got them, you're, you're completely right. That is somewhere somewhere you can turn to lean on for you know, that perspective. You, you are right because then surrounding yourself with a good support network does involve some vulnerability. Yeah. Because it then will in, probably involve a discussion like, hey, I'm working on this for myself. I'm not happy. I want you in my corner. That's that's a step. So you, you, you are. Oh, 100%. Correct. So you, to a certain point it will de- rely on you developing these skills to be able to, to see it and not just take the worst case scenario, which is what our brains tend to try to make us feel like is – the only option? I think um, I think it's normal for the brain to go to the worst case scenario, but then it's like, okay, are you going to listen? Yeah, and you're right. And I think the way I've always, not always, take that back, the way that I've started to try to think of that is it is our brain's sort of protective mechanism mm. to go to the worst case scenario mm-hmm. because it's trying to protect us from getting injured or hurt or, or these sort of things. So... Rather than fight it, I've tried to develop, trying, trying to develop the skill of taking that worst case scenario and just allowing it to sit with it, but then trying to have that perspective to say, okay, but if this doesn't happen, what's on the other side? Mm. Whereas I think in, in the past I've been too fixated on it or I've tried to fight it and tried to fight myself for why am I thinking this in the first place. So that that's, uh, I think, something that I've been working on and will continue to work on, which is just allowing my brain to say, okay, this is my default because yeah. I'm naturally a negative person. So my first thought is going to be worst case scenario and I'm just going to allow myself to have that thought. But now what if... It wasn't negative. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to develop the skill of being able to see both sides. Fair. But that is a skill and it's going to take time and it's still taking time to develop. I've been, I've been working on it for a long time. So you mean it doesn't happen quickly, like weight loss? 
I actually think it's something because it's it's not to me it's not a natural part of my personality. Mm-hmm. I think it would be something that I will work on forever. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I am. Why? I think because I've seen how how mentally it affects me when I'm not happy to work on it. So back when I was when I was younger and I and I used to suffer from anxiety quite badly. Mm. It's because I was never willing to work on it. And I was, you know, I didn't have the strategies and I didn't even try to have strategies at that time. And then the older I've got, the more that I've invested into myself and just working on strategies, what works for me, what doesn't work for me. I think seeing how unhappy I was when I was younger, I was in my sort of late teens, early 20s then, yeah, it's it's not worth that. So that's why it's worth it. Wow. Well, let's move on to tips and get towards wrapping this up. I thought we were in tips. <laughs> okay. Let's stay in tips and, and keep rolling through this. <laughs> What's the next tip well, you want to give, Courtney? <laughs> well, I've just given... Um, my fair share of some, I think. But what did we have written down? Thank gosh we write notes, hey, Matt? Mm. <laughs> Otherwise I'd just talk forever. Oh, we'd just have, go off we'd on have, random. We'd have eight-hour episodes. <laughs> random it would areas. Just, yeah, oof, this, this podcast gets random enough at the best of times. Uh, one that, that, that's right, we had discussed before starting to record and we wrote down was, I guess... The one thing I wanted to to really highlight was that if you don't want to ever step outside your comfort zone, Mm. you really have to think of both sides here. And so, yes, stepping out of your comfort zone is challenging. It's sometimes anxiety-inducing, can be painful. Yes, all of those things. However, it can make you I'll put it this way. I've been, I've like literally had the shakes. Yeah. With some of these things. However, I guess if you step back and again, you have that perspective and you can look on the other side, mm. what is the other side of the coin? And the only thing I could think of was well, if you never want to go through that, you better be happy with what you've currently got because mm. I can't see how you're going to progress. You know, the way. The way I would look at that in my mind is with a lot of these things we're talking about, actually all these things we're talking about, you know, it's that theme of fearing the worst. You would then say to yourself, well, okay, think to yourself what's the worst that could happen if you didn't take those steps out of your comfort zone. Mm. And usually, as Courtney just hit on, it'll be staying right where you are, if not getting worse. Yeah. Um, I will give a tip here, Courtney, which is about, and it's a mindset that I have and I've developed over time, is being willing to continually ask for more from yourself, to ask to be better, to want to be better, to work to be better. And it can be as little, and I use that term loosely because it's not really little, but it can be as little as just 1%. Just be better by 1% the next day and then 1% again and again and again. I'm not talking about going from where you are to where you want to be and making 100% leaps, whatever the fuck that means. It's just not necessary or really feasible. But having, having that mindset of, hey, what can I do better? Where can I improve? What's the next challenge I can meet that will help me improve in some way. That will, you know, add value to me or my life or what I do or or whatever. I think a lot of people, quite honestly, um, are a little too willing to settle for mediocre. Yeah, I agree. And settle for average. And or that it's it, good enough. It, it's it's yeah, settle for good enough. Yet. It, that stuff doesn't stay good enough. It doesn't stay average. It doesn't stay mediocre. It gets worse. Mm. Um, the analogy I like to use a lot is that we are like plants. If we're not watering ourselves, we are dying. Mm. Yeah. 
And I think that with I spoke about it throughout this episode. I think that just I I just look at you and I, Matt, and we've got different personalities. Yeah, we've got different ways of working on things, mm. like working through things, yep. mindset wise. Yeah, but there's no right or wrong there. And I think that that's one tip that I'd like to give, which is you don't necessarily need to work on things the same way I do, the same way Matt does. Find, start working on you and start learning what works for you. I think I think the take-home message there is something is better than nothing. I agree. And I think that something could just be literally as, well, small in inverted commas mm. as having perspective on decisions you're making or it could be taking a step back um, and not making decisions so quickly so you can think about both sides or it could be just something as simple as dealing with anxiety better well also it can be being honest with yourself yeah can i give one more tip before we wrap this up one of my favourite sayings is you won't solve your problems with the same thinking used to create them, mm. which I love um, for a number of reasons. So if you are a person who wants to change, you know, look better, feel better, function better, keep up with the kids, wear a certain outfit, like whatever it may be, like tremendous, good on you. But you also then have to realise that if you want to change, you have to be open to change mm. over time. Because the words change and comfort do not go together. No. Change, change unfortunately, requires some levels of discomfort. Mm. There's no other way to say that. It's just the way it is. I don't make the rules. I just fucking follow them. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. So you then got to think, well... If you want to change and you want to improve, it really starts with being open to change between the ears. So, you know, the way you think, what you think, your habits, your beliefs, um, in in some cases your self-limiting beliefs, your mindset. So very commonly we will have a closed mindset to things. So, oh, I want to look better. I want to have a really rocking body, but I don't want to change what I do to get it. Mm. Sorry, no, no. That's just not how it works here on earth. So I, for me personally over time, have really pushed myself and continue to now to be more about having a growth mindset, an improvement mindset. So as Courtney said before, with new things, I do see them as challenges, but more than that, I see them as opportunities. Mm. So I see something new that I've got to do or learn or whatever. It's like, cool, I'm now going to improve mm. as a result of this. Previously, I used to be terrified. You know, you think, oh, great. Here's something new for me to fail at, which is just dangerous thinking. Now it's like, cool, time to get better. Mm. And it's, as, as Courtney said, it's not a... These aren't things you develop quickly. Like I'm, I'm talking here over, over the last 17 years. Sorry, you won't do it in the next gym's fucking eight-week challenge. It's just not how this works. Through, through discussions like this is when you really can start to understand what this phrase means. It's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. In so many ways. Yep. Um, and hey, that's all I've got. I think that'll wrap it up for today. I'm tapped out. Yep. We're tapped out. We're done. So bring us home, Courtney. Uh, Well, that wraps up today's episode. So if you'd like to, if you are not already part of our Facebook group, make sure that you you? come along and join. Uh, You can find a link in your podcast app. Yep. Go straight to the group. Or you can do it the good old fashioned way, which is just log into Facebook and search the Weight Loss Podcast. Unbelievable. And you will find our group. Coming out with myself, Courtney, and other fans of the show. Uh, if you're looking for extra notes uh, on this episode, you can find them at the website, which is theweightlosspodcast.com. Well done. So, on that note, 
we're done. Hope, we're hope you got a lot out of this and we'll see you soon. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 